Hi, I'm Linda. And I'm Craig. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast Guide to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia from IndieTravelPodcast.com. Kuala Lumpur is a bustling international city and it's the capital of Malaysia. Sometimes described as Asia light, this is a great place to get used to the bustle of an Asian city. And it's also a good jumping off point to further explore Southeast Asia. Yeah, with quite modern and efficient infrastructure, it's a city for everyone. But it's a particularly useful gateway for those feeling a little uneasy about haggling in markets and uh, <clears throat> squat toilets. Yeah, I know what you mean about feeling uneasy about squat toilets. And this episode of the Indie Travel Podcast is brought to you by WorldNomads.com. WorldNomads.com provides great value global travel insurance. You can buy, extend and claim online, even if you're already travelling. Yeah, worldnomads.com. Keep travelling safely. Book now and you'll receive a 5 cent discount when you use the coupon code ITPKL when you check out. Now, ITPKL stands for, you guessed it, Indie Travel Podcast Kuala Lumpur. Clever, eh? You're very clever. I thought so. Well, a quick fact box. The city is obviously named Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, but it's often abbreviated to KL. It's the capital of Malaysia, and it's on the west coast of the Malaysian Peninsula in Southeast Asia. Population is around 1.6 million in the city proper, but 7.2 million throughout the Klang Valley in which it sits. So it's quite a big city, really. Yeah, I would say so. Now the languages. Bahasa Melayu is the national language but you'll find Mandarin, Cantonese, and Tamil are also widely spoken. Well, and English. Well, yes, and English. I mean, English is a major language for business, and it's a compulsory subject at school. And, yeah, it's really widely spoken. Especially amongst all the tourist touts in the markets. Yeah, they want you to buy things, so they'll speak to you in English. It's great. Or French, or (laughs) pretty much any other language you care to mention. It's well known as the backdrop for the film Entrapment, which starred Catherine Zeta-Jones and Sean Connery. Yeah, the soaring Patronus Towers are a sign of its economic growth, and KL is set to become the world's leading Islamic banking capital, working with the Gulf States and the Dow Jones and all sorts of other people. Indeed. Um, Type Sam is something else it's well known for. It's a very lively religious festival, which... Uh, Leads people to commit acts of self-harm. Which wouldn't be a drawing point for me, but uh, for some people it is. For tens of thousands each year. We'll talk about that more later. Well, temperatures. You'll find it's an equatorial climate between 23 and 33 degrees all year round. So it's a low of 23, high of 33. June and July are the driest months and September to April are the wettest. It's the monsoon season. There are two airports in Kuala Lumpur, but only one of them that's probably of interest to you. The Kuala Lumpur International Airport, also known as KLIA, is the aviation hub of Malaysia. It's about 50k south of the city, and it's really easily reached by express train. Yeah, it's much easier to get there by train than by car. I think it takes about double the time if you try to go by the motorway. There's also Subang Airport, which was previously the international airport, but when KLIA opened, it was kind of decommissioned. Flights do still fly in and out, but mostly um, chartered and turboprops flights. Price of a pint is about 10 to 15 ringgit. Price of a dorm bed is about the same. Now, this is about three US dollars. Yep, so you get to choose. Do you want another drink or do you want to sleep for the night? I know some people who would be making that decision. Goodness. (laughs) And probably making the wrong one. Um, You can get a double room in a hostel from as low as 16 ringgit. So prices start really, really low. Yeah, definitely. That's 16 ringgit per person, so. Yeah, but but still, that's... You know. Cheap as, yes. Yeah. 
Now, a public transport ticket varies according to the distance travelled and the type of transportation. I mean, there's buses, trains, monorails, all sorts of things. But you're looking at around one to two ringgit, basically. When you think of how KL's laid out, you just stop thinking. Oh my Um, goodness, it's a sprawling mess. There's no easy way for us to describe it. So do pick up a map. Um, You'll need it and you'll want one with the light rail and uh, all the other public transport options marked on it. Be aware though, I mean we went and got two maps just because one had one thing marked on it and one had another thing. And they were aligned differently. One had north at the top and the other one had like east at the top. So when we're trying to compare one map with the other to find out where we were, completely useless. Here's a quick breakdown of the main attractions, though. The city centre is known as KLCC, Kuala Lumpur City Centre. Don't confuse this with the old city centre or KL Central, which are all in different places. Many major attractions are walking distance from KLCC, including the Petronas Towers and the major shopping areas. KL Tower is to the southwest, and Chinatown and KL Central train station are even further to the southwest in a pretty straight line. Chowkits to the west and the Batu Caves are an hour or so north by bus. Actually, it's only about 15 k's, but the buses aren't that fast, so... Well, it's not about the speed, it's a rather circuitous route that it takes to get there. This is true. There's a full range of accommodation available in KL. I mean, it is a major international city. So you can start down for free with the Couchsurfing Network and go up to five stars. What I'd say is that it's worth investing in a room with air conditioning because um, the air can be really humid, so it's hot, it's muggy. Yeah, I mean, it's no cooler at night than it is during the day, and it's it's muggy, it's stuffy. Yeah, so if uh, you need some fresh air to sleep, air conditioning is your friend. Budget options, well, hostels centre around the Chinatown area with beds from about 10 ringgit. Hostels are beginning to pop up around the Golden Circle too, and some of these are reputed really nicer, but... The best thing to do is to go on Hostel Bookers and check the ratings. If it's got a high rating, it's that much more likely to be worth staying in. Yeah, I would recommend paying more than 10 ringgit for a bed, but they are around. Yeah, well, I mean, if it's got a good rating and it's got a good price, then it's worth considering. Yeah. Now, Malaysia is one of the cheapest places in the world to stay in five-star accommodation. So if you're looking to have a splurge somewhere, this might be a great place for you. Um... Book at Bingtang and KLCC areas, they're both inside what's known as the Golden Triangle. And this is where all the big hotel names are. Uh, Ritz-Carlton, Marriott, Hyatt, Westons, Hilton. Everything. Everything. Yeah, everything. So, on to food. Oh, it's my favourite part. The food in Kuala Lumpur is absolutely amazing. There's a huge range from street hawkers to five-star restaurants. Every major Asian cuisine is well represented, and American fast food and Australian coffee chains give you that, you know, Western buzz. Yeah, I really appreciated uh, finding an Australian coffee chain, and um, that really made my morning one day, was just getting some good, you know, South Pacific-style espresso. Oh, it was so important for me, because, I mean, after being in Europe, where they don't know what a flat white is, it was my first flat white in three years. Oh, I'll never forget it. (laughs) Thank you, Kuala Lumpur. That's all right. (laughs) So, of course, you can eat outside in the night markets or visit one of the thousands of food courts for a choice of different cuisines. Otherwise, ask a local for a restaurant recommendation. Be aware that alcohol is relatively expensive, even in the supermarkets, which surprised us a bit. But we did find the supermarkets useful for stocking up on breakfast foods and drinks. You need quite a lot of water because it is quite hot. Um, 
That said, stock up on your breakfast foods, but just eat out for lunch and dinner because it's much cheaper than self-catering. Even our friends who live there would usually eat out for their main meals. Now, I found them a little bit too tout and tourist-heavy, but the outdoor street restaurants in Jelana Law are still worth a visit. You sit out on the street, stars above you, and you have piles and piles of cheap Chinese food all night long. Yeah, we had our last meal there and emptied our pockets of everything but the train fare to the airport. Yeah, it was uh, delicious. Yeah. But one of my favourite things to do is just to go up to a street hawker, one of their stalls, and just pick and choose a few bits and pieces and just eat standing on the street. I really like that. Yeah, they have kind of like an ice cream truck, only instead of freezing cold ice cream, they have boiling hot um, buckets of water. And so you choose a stick of meat or vegetables, and they just drop it in, boil it for a while, cover it in sauce, and away you go. It's fantastic. I mean, of course, there are other types of food you can buy from the street vendors, but that was one of our favourites. A lot of KL residents get around by car, which causes serious congestion. And surprisingly, only around 16% use public transport, which is quite strange because the public transport system is quite good. Really good for Asia. Yeah, a little infrequent, but... That could be solved if there were more people on it, because then they put more trains and buses on, but oh well. Anyway, there's buses, trains, light rail, monorail, but they all use different tickets. So the best idea is just to buy tickets journey by journey. Yeah, if you're going to be there for a month or more, you can get an integrated ticket for all forms of transport, but there doesn't seem to be one for daily or weekly use, which is also a pity. Yeah, definitely for uh, us casuals coming through. Now, ticket prices vary, with buses being the cheapest and the monorail being the most expensive in terms of price per kilometre. I mean, starts at about 50 ringgit cents, goes right up to 5 ringgits for an all-day express bus ticket. Now, the best way to buy your tickets is just to buy them at the station, either from a machine or from the person behind the desk. However, with a bus, hop on the bus, sit down, and someone will come to you. Yeah, I found that quite weird on the first bus that I hopped on. I was trying to give money to the driver, and other people were trying to shoo me into a seat. So, um, yeah, just jump on the bus, grab a seat, they'll find you. (laughs) Leave me, they're not going to miss you. (laughs) Uh, One thing that I'd say is uh, when buying your tickets, it's really... Uh, good policy to have some low-value oh, notes yeah. just to facilitate the process smoothly. So um, break your break your big notes in the big shops, and when you go to jump on the tram home, make sure you've got some uh, some shrapnel or some smaller notes to use. Definitely. Before we talk about attractions, we want to thank our sponsor again, worldnomads.com. Remember, all policyholders also get free travel blogs, safety advice, and language guides for their iPods. Worldnomads.com. Keep traveling safely. Now, you can also get this 5% discount if you use the coupon code ITPKL when you check out. Free attractions. I think the major free attraction is the Patronus Towers. They're definitely worth a visit. I mean, they they dominate the skyline, and you can go up to the Sky Bridge halfway up for free. Now, it is free, but tickets are limited. So you need to get up early enough in the morning to go and line up and pick up your tickets, and you'll be given a time to come back. Um, I think it's 10 or 15 minute increments. Yeah, they take 20 people at a time up in the escalators. Oh, sorry, elevators. So you um, you come back and um, and go up. Now, before you go up, there's a little museum. Oh, it's so and much fun. Also, this um, this oil friendly kind of where your where your friendly multinational corporation 
um, kind of propaganda film, oh, which wonderful. I found really funny. So much fun. But I mean, these are the tallest Twin Towers in the world, and they were the highest buildings in the world before Taipei 101 was built. So it's really worth a visit just for that. And the fact that you can get up halfway, it's really cool. It is, yeah. And at the bottom, there's beautiful gardens. Um, The aquarium, which we'll talk about later, is right next door. And don't forget the shopping mall. The shopping mall. Yeah, we haven't talked much about shopping malls yet, but we'll come back to it. Don't worry. There's plenty to say about shopping in KL. There's a beautiful shopping mall right at the base of the tower. So another major free attraction is... The shopping. shopping. <laughs> the Golden Triangle is the region for high-class shopping, and Chinatown and Little India have tourist markets and ethnic restaurants. But be aware that both of those places, Little India and Petaling Street, which is the centre of the Chinatown markets, they're mostly stocked with tourists in mind. Little India is a bit better, I guess. Well, yeah, it stocks fabrics and things, and so locals will buy their fabrics there. But the Chinatown Petaling. markets, um, oh. great place for your fake Gucci, um, shoes, wallets, handbags, oh, all that terrible. kind of... It's all such plastic trash. Oh, be nice. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you are going to see more tourists than locals here, unless you duck into one of the little eateries um, oh, yeah, along the fun. side. That was full of locals and tourists kind of wondering what the food was. Yes. <laughs> I think I prefer the markets where the locals are actually shopping. Even if I don't buy anything from them, I just like the experience of tables piled high with fruit or fish or vegetables, you know. Mm. And the one I really enjoyed was in Chowkit. Yeah, that was a true locals market. Yes. People looking at us, wondering why on earth we were there. It was smelly, the floor was dirty, but it was packed and everyone was doing their daily shopping. It was just so much fun. Yeah. If you're after uh, good quality Malaysian souvenirs, then Central Market's the place to go. I'm not much of a shopper, but Central Market uh, won a place in my heart. Because of the air conditioning? Because of the air conditioning. It was the only market, not shopping mall, the only market that was air conditioned. Because most of the markets were outside. How do you air condition the air? (laughs) So it was a great place to visit in the middle of the day. Yeah, one thing I remember about the Central Market was... The, the milk coffee we had, the white coffee. Yes. We went to this cafe and they only had white coffee. I mean, you'd think that... Yeah. It was special uh, sweetened coffee as well. <laughs> yeah, the way they made it was I think they mixed sweetened condensed milk with the coffee beans before they actually made the coffee. So that's why they're all white. But and sweet. And sweet. Not to my tastes, that's for sure. No, but it was an experience. Well, if your shopping tastes are a bit more refined, you'll really enjoy KL. Um, the high-range shops are centre around the Golden Triangle, so there were two right next to each other that really made me sit up and take notice. The first one was the newly built Pavilion Shopping Centre, and it is big. Yes. I d- how else can you describe it? Quite big. Quite big, big, big. extremely <laughs> large. Um, You'd think we'd have learned new adjectives by now. I mean... <laughs> uh, years of teaching English as a second language is made our vocabulary dwindle. It's nice. this is a huge (laughs) shopping mall. And right across the road is the very high-class shopping shopping centre of Star Hill. Oh, that is a beautiful, beautiful shopping mall. We were recommended to visit it by a local we met on the plane. Actually, we had a really nice plane trip in talking to that couple. And she was so right. We didn't buy anything, but just being in there was nice. It was so well-designed, so welcoming, so air-conditioned. 
I almost felt like I had to pay just to look at stuff. It was yeah. so expensive. <laughs> it was a different world from the one we move in, that's for sure. Well, an hour or so out of the city by bus are the other great attractions that we're going to mention, and that is the Batu Caves. Oh, they're so great. It's an immense staircase leading to a cavernous cave at the top. And if you want a preview, you can search the Intertravel Podcast archives for some video footage of the caves. Now, one thing I found was the monkeys, which feature almost entirely in this video we made, um, sliding down the banisters, jumping from rock to rock, um, fighting. Um, they had lots of babies while we were there. Yeah, so it looked like a good life. They are having a good time. They sure were. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the Batu Caves are also the home of Taipasam, which is a Hindu religious festival. Well, rather, it's the home of Taipasam in Malaysia. In January or February of each year, tens of thousands of tourists come to watch over a million Hindu devotees celebrate this ancient rite in KL. And what a rite it is. Oh, now, yes. Hindu theology isn't my strong point, but as I understand it, here's the basics. When praying to Lord Murugam, who's the god of war, people offer to do Kavadiyatam, which is a special ritual dance, if their treaty's granted. And this Kavadiyatam is normally completed during Taipasam. People carry big physical burdens which represent their spiritual debt, and they make pilgrimage to the caves. Some choose to even inflict physical pain on themselves, using steel barbs or skewers. They'll push them into their skin, through their cheeks or through their tongue, and then they'll start the pilgrimage from the city centre to the caves. Yeah, apparently it takes around eight hours. And when they get to the caves, you might remember this immense staircase which we mentioned. They climb up at 270, 280 stairs. Wow. Yep, and on their knees, quite often. So it's a huge spectacle and one that draws a lot of wandering people to watch each year. Another big seasonal event is Chinese New Year. It happens in late January through to mid-February, depending on the lunar calendar. Mm -hmm. Coming up soon, actually. Yeah, it's this weekend for us. And uh, unsurprisingly, the celebrations centre around Petling Street in Chinatown. Who'd have guessed it? (laughs) Um, There's also three massive shopping events each year where people fly in from all over the world. Um, These happen in March, in May, and in December. These massive sales were designed by the tourism industry to help KL boost its profile as an international shopping centre. And it seems to work. Yeah, it sure has. You think KL, you think food, you think shopping. Definitely. You might think about the Minara Tower, but I don't think so. Well, it's kind of a major icon. Now, the Minara Tower is one of our paid attractions that we'd recommend. It's the fourth highest telecommunications tower in the world, and its observation deck is significantly higher than the viewing platform of the Petronas Towers. Well, the Petronas Towers is only halfway up, and Minara, you are situated on top of a hill to begin with. Yeah, but you do have to pay. I mean, it costs about 20 ringgit. I think it's maybe 25 ringgit now. Mm-hmm. Yep, so you take the lift up to the top. You've got a wonderful view of, of the whole town. And when you come back, there's the uh, Bukit Bintang Forest, which is just at your feet. So there's tours around there, and you can see all of the wildlife. And yeah, I really enjoyed walking around there, although we didn't see any monkeys, unfortunately. We did see quite a few birds, and the bird song was quite impressive. Mm, and lovely tropical plants and flowers, really lush rainforest. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Remember the Patronus Towers? Well, right next to them, uh, the Aquaria, KLCC. And this is a huge modern aquarium. They've got thousands of fish species. So um, it's well worth a visit. Definitely. Well, we don't really have that much to say about paid attractions. Well, there's one more that I want to add, and that is the shopping malls. You could argue that shopping is it's free. It's a free attraction. Um, I've been shopping with you. <laughs> I've been shopping with you. <laughs> it's certainly far from free. So it's free to get into the shopping malls. Yes, and yes. we've only mentioned a couple, but there are dozens and dozens, some of them based on uh, fashion, others on electronics, others on um, consumer goods. There's a mall for everyone. <laughs> You'll definitely be able to find almost anything you're looking for in KL. And talking about finding things, a few guidebook recommendations. If you're a Lonely Planet fan, um, the Southeast Asia on a Shoestring covers all of Malaysia and, of course, KL. You can zoom in a little bit further and get the Lonely Planet Malaysia, Singapore and Brunei, or even further and get the Lonely Planet Kuala Lumpur, Malacca and Penang guide. Yeah, get the one that works for you. I mean... Malaysia is a really good starting off point for Southeast Asia. So I'd recommend Southeast Asia on a shoestring because we're a really big fan of that style of book. You don't have as much information, but you don't really need that much information. You need the basics and then just go for it. Yeah. Um, If Lonely Planet isn't your style, if you want something that's a little bit less tip-driven, then try the Rough Guide to Malaysia, Singapore and Brunei or DK Eyewitness Travel Guides. They've put out a Malaysia and Singapore guide. Well... What's your favourite memory of KL? Favourite memory? Um, it would have to be the monkeys at the Batu Caves. Um, it was cool just seeing them running around and doing their crazy monkey things. You felt at home then? Shut up. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see what I have to put up with week after week. I don't know. I'm not sorry. So what's your favourite memory? Well, I did enjoy the monkeys. They were a lot of fun. But the thing that really... I think I'll always remember about KL is the afternoon showers. It felt like you woke up in the morning and it was clear, or maybe a bit overcast. And clear, clear, clear all day, and then at exactly 3.34... <laughs> I think it was closer to 5 o'clock. Yeah, well, I don't think it was exactly the same time any day, but you, you get the idea, was that at a certain point in the afternoon, it just started raining. Sometimes it was just a light shower, sometimes it pelted down, but there was always a shower in the afternoon every day we were there. Yeah, it was very tropical that way. Reminded me of Fiji, the yeah, same thing the same happened. Thing, yeah, yeah. At six o'clock every evening, rain. rain. Yeah. So you had to be home by 5.30 and then it <laughs> yeah. rained and then it got dark and that was your day. It was very nice. <laughs> so where to next? I mean, obviously you can explore Malaysia. People who are flying into KL are going to want to get around by bus or by shuttle. What else? Oh my goodness, there's so many things you could do. KL is really, really central for Southeast Asia. A good thing to think about doing is catching a bus or a train up to Thailand or down to Singapore. They're not expensive. I mean, the one to Singapore is about six hours and costs you around 30 ringgit, maybe a bit more for the train. Mm, you did that as a kid, eh? Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, we travelled by train from Singapore to, to KL. It was so much mm-hmm. fun. Although I don't appreciate being forced to drink grass jelly drink in the Singapore train station. <sighs> I've heard this story before, Linda. <laughs> heard it before i was 11 okay. it was scarring so as well as uh, the trains and the buses as we said kl international airport is really a, a hub airport for southeast asia 
A couple of budget airlines fly out of there, as well as Malaysia Airlines. AirAsia is based in KLIA, and so is Malaysia. So, I mean, they've got a huge network. And then there's Tiger. Yeah, Tiger. Well, Tiger only flies to Singapore from KL, but from Singapore it flies everywhere because it's based in Singapore. And I definitely recommend you take a look at Singapore because it's so close. Well, one more thing I want to notice, um, or rather point out before we close off, is that by law visitors have to carry their passports with them at all times. This is something we found out after we left. Yeah, I mean, we didn't know anything about this before we arrived. So, I mean, really, it's very unlikely that you'll be stopped and asked for your passport, but it's worth having it with you. Yeah, spot checks do happen, and unfortunately, the group that patrols it isn't actually the police. It's a organisation called RELA, and they're a bit dodgy, overzealous, shall we say. Um, they're on the watch list for the International Human Rights Organization's Human Rights Watch. Yeah. So you don't want to mess with them. There have been some really unfortunate instances where legitimate tourists have been detained. Yeah, definitely don't hand over your passport to anyone if you're unsure of their credentials. If you're unsure, insist on being taken to a police station. Yeah, that's what I'd recommend as well. Um, Not only in KL, not only in Malaysia, but anywhere. anywhere. Yeah. As always, keep your passport hidden. Don't flash it around. I'd recommend a money belt. It's worth having your passport with you for for so many reasons. I mean, it's not worth leaving it lying around in a hostel for one thing. But just keep it hidden and keep it safe. Before we finish, I'd like to thank our sponsor once again and tell you about a great microfinance initiative they've set up. At worldnomads.com, you can also support a Footprints community development project when you purchase your travel insurance online. Worldnomads.com. Keep traveling safely. And remember that coupon code ITPKL on checkout for a 5% discount when you next buy travel insurance with worldnomads.com. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Indie Travel Podcast, the Indie Travel Podcast Guide to Kuala Lumpur. Make sure you visit IndieTravelPodcast.com for more great travel stories, audio, video podcasts, and feature articles from our authors who are traveling around the world. Yeah, you can also get a free subscription there on the website, or um, you can search for Indie Travel Podcast on the iTunes store. Oh, now next week, something very exciting is happening. What? We're going to be telling you how to win a trip to Guatemala with the 2009 Travel Podcast Scholarship. Yeah, we've hooked up with gvi.co.uk and worldnomads.com. You'll be working with them, and they'll send you off to work with indigenous communities in Guatemala. You'll also be recording stories and interviews with your brand new digital recorder. When you get back home, you'll work with Tim Latham, who's a journalist and author from the ABC. And finally, you'll put together a podcast documentary. Which will become a feature right here on the Indie Travel Podcast. That means we can't enter the competition, doesn't it? Oh my goodness. No Guatemala (laughs) for us. Well, if you'd like to go to Guatemala for free, courtesy of worldnomads.com and working with GVI, then um, tune in next week. Yeah, definitely. We're excited to be a part of it, and we think you should be too. Well, that's us. Thank you very much. Until next week, travel well.